0: So, Bob, have you noticed the sheer number of updates to Windows 10 lately? Or maybe you haven't.
1: Well, wow, we're going to drop the disclaimer in right now.
0: The thoughts and opinions of Bob and Kevin... Of the Bob and Kevin show are exclusively the thoughts of... Bob and Kevin, and not the thoughts of their employers. Past, present, and probably not future.
1: Okay, so, um, shoot. So, on my personal machine, yes, I've noticed... A rapid fire sequence of updates. Although I think we've talked about this before, my laptop uh, yeah, doesn't yeah. think I'm ready for the latest updates.
0: <laughs> yeah, insert corporate policy. You know, update Windows update policy. Yada yada.
1: Well, yada. my personal computer oh, though personal. should be able to update, but I'm getting this note from Microsoft that says my my system's not quite ready for update yet. Ooh, so I have no idea what that the means. hell does that mean.
0: Well, okay. So where am I going with? But this? yes,
1: I know they've been coming.
0: We we all like bug fixes quick because the the alternative is enterprise air you know air quotes which is the equivalent of turning an air aircraft carrier right whereas open source and smaller teams can be more nimble like a speedboat yep oh push that patch right now well the good news is microsoft's kind of come towards the speedboat side but it seems like it's coming. Wait, at- is
1: that speedboat thing? Is that common developer speak? Because I no. saw that someplace else today and I did not understand what it was in reference to.
0: I read the same article you did and... Okay. Uh, <laughs> and no, <laughs> I don't believe so. But maybe it is. Maybe I just
1: maybe I've stumbled upon Well, the way you this. dropped it there I was like, ah, oh, shit. I'm totally out of the loop.
0: I'm just trying to draw an analogy. Enter- old, old Guard Enterprise takes for fucking ever to update anything. And back in the day we used to have office 97 and then you know office 2003 you know it's like really five years between updates right
1: with no updates really in between right,
0: right. you know maybe you'll get a what they call a service pack which is you know somewhere in there a service pack for whatever whatever and then nowadays it's dot versions you know push it out, push it out, push it out, push it out. What version am I on? I have no idea. Even Visual Studio, it's like, holy shit, I just updated to the latest 2017 or whatever. And sure enough, here's another dot patch and I'm not at the coffee shop. I I can't download the damn thing. Anyway, I digress. So Windows 10 seems to be going through this really awful period right now where I mean, I like Windows 10, full disclosure, but it, it's just like, holy shit, get it together, Microsoft. Don't you have a QA, QC team? I know you have a bigger budget than most.
1: Is it a get it together thing or is this their new release cycle? Because that's kind of what I was wondering is, is just everybody going to this like almost bi monthly or monthly release cycle?
0: Um. Yeah. Like it's the wind. It's the May 2019 update that actually comes out in October. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Wait a second. What happened? So,
1: see, they do have QA. It just takes them four months to QA, and they still name it the month release where it was sent
0: to QA, and they still fuck it up. Apparently. True. Now, full disclosure. Right, when you create an operating system, and there's a bevy of hardware available for it, it's hard to get it 100% right, but the things I've been reading is like the start menu is totally borked, or the Windows update service itself is borked, or Windows Defender. These aren't trivial things in Right, Windows. these are major components. This isn't like, <laughs> well, you had to click three things, get into registry, and then, oh, that's what we broke. No, this is like, hello? Um, I mean, as web developers, we can we can try things out in Chrome, Edge hopefully not Internet Explorer, et cetera, et cetera. And we can kind of relate on a micro level, right? Compared to hardware, we're only kind of dealing with browser compatibility. But when you have the influence budget and 800 million users or however many it is, damn, come on, you guys got to do better, right? So full disclosure, I've never written an operating system before, so...
1: I don't really know all that goes into it, but don't you think that like I I couldn't I can't even speculate what's going on there? Like how does how does it get to this?
0: Yeah, it's got to clear some hurdles, right? Somebody thumbs up and then somebody else thumbs up and there's like, yeah, let's push this. And then it goes to the update server. They start rolling out the changes. I'm starting to get worried that they're gonna brick my shit unintentionally because well
1: i think i saw a complaint that somebody's machine after the latest update it kept rebooting or something like that
0: um yeah and uh, i was at your house and there was a shitty driver update for intel for my dell and it made me have to turn on my computer I'd have to power it off and then power it back on. And then finally Windows would boot. So, of course, you're like, oh, fucking Windows is the problem. Well, you know, you Google enough. It turns out some Intel smart, whatever, not so smart driver <laughs> um, that was causing it. I roll it back. Hey, it works. And then what irritates me is have you ever been on like a Microsoft support forum?
1: Uh, yeah. Sometimes they come up in my search results. Never, ever actually solving my problem. But yes.
0: So, yeah. They. I mean, full disclosure. Typically, if Stack Overflow <laughs> has a link to an answer come up in the results, or Microsoft, even though it's a Microsoft problem, guess which one I'm clicking, Bob. Stack Overflow. I, amen to that. So, if you've ever been to a Microsoft one, a it it. It never gets, I mean, I've never seen an actual answer by whoever is supposed to be moderating because they have like moderators, you know, hey, thank you for dropping this in and nine times out of 10 is we could not replicate closed. It's like, well, dude, that was like yesterday and you gave the guy no time to respond. And then now the trend is, is you got to vote. Hey, vote on this issue. And we might think about actually looking into this problem. And I'm
1: like, I also don't like the way that those conversations are threaded, where the respondent has the full content of the previous poster's post. Oh, right. And it's like six posts of the same exact thing all nested together. Yeah. Yeah. Watching or like, you know, subscribed, but it's no. There's no
0: input to the problem. It's just a copy of the problem. And then you get the 30 people that say, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And then sprinkled in there is the admin says, oh, yeah, we can't replicate this still. Blah, blah, blah. Or you'll get Have the, you tried? Have you tried rebooting? Have <laughs> you tried turning it <laughs> off and on? And then you get the, hey, have you tried this? How about this? How about that? How about this? Is any of this working? 13 tries later. No, it's still not working. No, it's still not working. And then, you know, clearly an issue has been identified. And then the original poster gives up. It's like, you know what? Ugh, I don't know. And then Microsoft comes along. Oh, let's close this ticket. No activity. It's like, wait a second. The problem did not go away. <laughs> yeah, know? It's just like a graveyard
1: of unsolved problems. It's just so bad.
0: So it's no wonder why Stack Overflow, given all of its the negative sides of Stack Overflow, Stack Overflow is pretty good at. Here's the question. Here's the answer and you know let's all move on and it's very right there right can can we delve into that a little bit because
1: i always hear people like you know tossing shade at stack overflow and i've never really been like i don't usually post questions there because there's so many questions that have been asked and answered that most of the time my issue was already someone else's where does the um Where does the anger and the vitriol and like the negative user experience that I always hear about, like where does that come into play? Because I've never, I've never had that, but I guess I'm just a lurker.
0: Well, full disclosure, I've only asked maybe two or three questions because for the same reason, most of my problems have already been somebody else's problems, right? Which is great, but uh, you have to be able to identify your problem. So that's still a skill. I would say, hey, is this the same problem that I've got exactly or is it something else? But if you look at some of the comments, some people, it, it's not so much as the the question askers. Every now and then you'll get that. This is a dumb question. This is not a real question. This is a blah, blah, blah. So you'll get that. See,
1: I haven't even seen those. Oh, I've like, seen I, those. I must be hanging in the friendly areas, apparently.
0: And then you it's usually on the answers because people will downvote. And once once they smell blood in the water, <laughs> oh man, the, the comments just jump in there. It's like, yeah, you're you know, you know, this is wrong, you know, blah blah blah. And they just like pile on.
1: And is it maybe because you're researching more complex questions that have more complex code for answers? Like do people say like, oh this isn't solid or this isn't,
0: you know um, fill in coding Bible bullshit here. It's less about, I think, dogma more about um, some people are just putting answers just to be able to get points and they'll just throw something in there and it doesn't answer the original poster's question or it'll be about They'll be related, but it—you can tell. I have
1: seen some of those that like they don't really address the initial question, and they'll like post some code, and they'll be like, "Nope, you just do this." And I'm like, "Whoa, wait a minute, that's, that's not even what the person asked." Yes. But then, sometime farther down, someone's like, "Hey, asshead, that's not even what the original poster was looking for." Yeah, you can
0: almost guarantee somebody will try to to score points because again, when you call somebody out for posting the wrong answer, you can be upvoted there. You can actually earn points for saying, "Hey, you're an asshat." <laughs> for for doing this, but what do the points get you in Stack Overflow? So, here's where I'm ignorant. But I, I've got a profile. I've got points because you get points for I think upvoting questions. You get points for answering, and it's basically internet cred. So, um, you know, different people are kind of like Stack Overflow famous and i oh shit may, really god damn it maybe <laughs> maybe it's like github hey here's my open source libraries if you'd like to hire me or here's my stack overflow big brain number of points right so i, I guess that's it oh man
1: well hopefully if there's anybody out there that could explain that to us and maybe a dm you could uh, hit us up on twitter all
0: right so since we fell down the stack overflow microsoft um. Uh, forums thing let's 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 close those two stacks off the off the off the, oh, those two programs off the stack here and let's go back to microsoft having issues right just kind of slinging code out oh there. shit that's my bad no it's all good <laughs> but uh apple released a new operating system or update. Well, i was gonna
1: say apple does this all the time
0: well apple's got Equal, if not just you know, worse problems. So I think it was Catalina. Is that their newest?
1: Uh, I've seen a lot of shit talk about Catalina. Yeah,
0: dumpster fire is the is the meme that I've seen often. But it's not just that. It's iOS too. I've seen a lot of headlines in my uh, my little Flipboard that says, "Hey, if you're using this one here, your phone it can no longer make calls. Make sure you update." Or you know, it's like who's who's quality checking that too. I thought that was Apple's thing. Hey, we, we charge a lot of money and you're going to get high quality, but that's kind of bullshit too, isn't it?
1: It's very much so. And I'm trying to figure out like, all right, so is this industry wide symptom or, I mean like, but what is this? The the symptom is releases that are bad and need to be almost instantly patched.
0: What is the problem? Like, why is this Hmm. happening? I, If I were to speculate, which, hey, that's what we do here. (laughs) (laughs) We are tech pundits. Um, So if I were to speculate, I would say that there seems to be an immense pressure to push new features from both Apple and Microsoft. So I I guess the market forces are saying, hey, you guys need to iterate faster. But
1: when has that ever ended well?
0: Well... Maybe it's like the fear of missing out. It's the fear of maybe we're getting behind, you know, the competition's beating us. Apple's got Android and Windows as competition. Windows basically just as Apple, right?
1: Uh, Why would those be mutually exclusive, though, if If Apple has Android and Windows, then why wouldn't Windows have Android and Apple?
0: Because Microsoft's doing some business with Android, because now you can get Android on their new Duo, and they also sell Android devices in the Microsoft Store.
1: Oh, so that's just product diversification for them, not competition.
0: Probably, if you can't beat them, right? If If Windows Phone can't beat you, I guess pick one of the others. Well...
1: I think Windows Phone could be RIPed forever because if they're putting Android on the Duo, then I think Windows Phone
0: is done. So, um, yeah, uh, let me ask you, Bob. What do you favor, speedboats or aircraft carriers or somewhere in between?
1: <sighs> That's a really good question. I think if speedboats are governed co- correctly, like I think of if, if you're going to sprint and you're going to release... You're going to be releasing fully tested, either incremental enhancement to the existing product, or small features in these quick sprints. Like there's, and I've seen software companies make this mistake over and over again. They have that sprint release tech, uh, you know, uh, tendency, but then they try to introduce major features in those dot sprint releases. And that's where I think things go south.
0: So as a product owner, let's say you own Windows or own OS 10 or iOS even, a breaking change needs to happen. The engineers have convinced everyone that we all need 16 cameras on the back of a phone. And the only way to support those is to have breaking changes. So when do you slip those in? You slip those in for a major release. Okay, when do you do a major release?
1: I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I don't own a software company, thank God. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that that's the things that they have to ponder because unfortunately, or fortunate, well, depending on how you look but at it. But if tech, you're
1: changing form factor and you're changing the underlying infrastructure because of that form factor, that only happens on a major and you only release it when it's right Well, because it's not like you're adding 11 cameras to the back of the phone before the phone...
0: Or after the phone's been released, right? That's true. So it's a matter of backwards compatibility too. Can we support the 32 cameras? We're just gonna keep picking bigger numbers. <laughs> the 32 cameras on the phone, um, where the other one only has two, you know, and then for how long do we support that old one? Because one of my big pet peeves with Apple is they drop support uh, for the older devices. And it's. But you
1: would have to, because if you didn't. Your operating system would never be able to fit
0: in a data center. <laughs> True. No, I I, I get that. Um, it, it it's 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 one of these unwinnable situations. It's a perfect topic for the Bob and Kevin show where there's just no right answer because <laughs> right? we ain't solving shit. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, sometimes, you know, we've seen in other software when when is a good time for breaking change? The answer is is never and right now at the same time because you know yeah see that's the whole crazy thing though and oh god and those companies
1: like windows and mac they don't or apple sorry they don't run like you don't run a legacy version you're either updating to the latest or eventually you're going to be out of the
0: out of the market right so They stopped making it. On a recent episode, we had a Windows, we talked about a Windows 10 update. So, Windows 10 itself, an intra update, is now no longer supported. No longer is it just, hey, Windows XP is no longer supported. Windows 8 is no longer supported. Windows Vista is no longer supported. It's, hey, that download you had from six months ago. Actually, if if you haven't updated in six months, we no longer support you because you have to be on this version of Windows 10.
1: See, and that part's weird. And I think that that part is, I don't know, scary is not the right term, but it's just not secure. And you've got enterprises, you've got enterprises that aren't updating at all on their schedule, like on Microsoft's schedule. So like, where does that leave enterprise that's relying on that operating system?
0: Bob, all you have to do is provide Microsoft with some money and they'll they'll be glad to support you, right?
1: (laughs) But they're not going to patch... Every machine in an enterprise, outside of the enterprise's update schedule, just because we throw money at them, depends how big the check is. <laughs> I, I guess you're right. I mean, I don't know. It just this all just seems very like yucky, if I can use that technical
0: term. <laughs> so if we look at Google Maps, I'm just going to kind of completely. Oh sideste- god! Hashtag triggered. <laughs> Google Maps. Um, they they did the whole hey, it's free, it's free. Everyone use us, everyone depend on us. It's great. Here's our API. Now you can put it on your LinkedIn, you know, Google Maps version three or whatever it is. Oh, now it's costing money, and everyone's like, ah, oh, god damn it. Doesn't Windows and, and iOS and Android and OS ten they all do the same thing. Hey, be a developer. Hey, do this. Hey, depend on all this. Use .net, whatever, whatever, whatever. Oh, now we made a change. Sorry, we, we own the kickball. We can take it home if you don't like it.
1: Some of that equals job security when you're a developer because you always have to solve a new problem. However, when you're talking about, oh, sorry, however, comma. <laughs> <laughs> Get it right. To steal from you. Um, if If it's the underlying infrastructure for your enterprise, like an operating system might be, I don't know if that's necessarily, like, that's not job security. That is a fire drill waiting to happen.
0: Now, of course, I'm being cheeky in all this. Kevin, do you really think they need to clear all these changes with you? Well, of course not. But it comes back to technology, innovation, and evolution, if you will. You know, listening to Joe Rogan enough, you know, we've learned that humans are the... Uh, the uh, reproductive parts of technology through Marshall McLuhan and what, what is kind of assumed I that, it was the sex organs of technology. Okay. Whatever. Uh, sex sounds better than reproductive. I get it. Um, so, you know, I think there's a possible false assumption that we, th- that technology has to evolve because what requires technology? I mean, we don't need more technology tomorrow intrinsically do we it's a human uh, assumption that whatever technology i have today i need n plus one tomorrow because is it an
1: assumption or is it a consumption need like that's
0: a good point i don't know or it's the pure hubris of humanity to say i want more because i can
1: right i mean but you think about it you can nut it down to a human a basic human element that setting goals and reaching goals and self-betterment, I think that that's going to replicate itself across industries, products, technology. So, I mean, I think there's always going to be that, that, that want to
0: be better. It's I think driver is competition. We need more lenses. We need better cameras. We need more, more, more because why? Because they are doing it too. And we can't rest We got to outdo them. We can't sell more if we don't. Right. And as a developer, I like new technology. But at the end of the day, the technology that we have right now, October 2019, we can do a hell of a lot of stuff, right? A hell of a lot. But we can't do tomorrow type stuff, though. Not really. Okay. So what is tomorrow's problem? Well, tomorrow's problem looks a lot like today's problem, except... Now I have drivers that are no longer compatible because of the new hardware. It's a lot of these, it's the, right, co- but the cost of innovation, right? But tomorrow's
1: problem is also the problem that we can't solve today.
0: Yeah. But when's the last time you you as a developer, and I'm not calling you out or or any uh, projects you work at, when's the last or even me? When's the last time we were writing we're gonna change the world stuff? But The companies, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Android, they're giving us all of these new tools because they think we need to be writing world-changing things.
1: right. I'm a super comfortable developer. Like, I like doing things that I'm comfortable with. I, I can take a tiny little crawl step outside of my comfort zone and get tons of reward for that. But, yeah, I'm not interested in develop life-changing technique or life-changing like algorithmic output or anything like that. So they're not developing those innovations for me. They're developing those innovations for data scientists and way smarter
0: people than I am. So are you familiar with the, the acronym ETL? Nope. Extract, transform, load. At the end of the day, if you distill down what programmers do, so they get data, they change the data, they put the data back, and they get uh, more I data. Pick it up, change it, extract, transform, load. So we we can do that really well as a society right now. What where a lot of the bleeding edge is is how do we replicate humanity through silicon, if you ask me. AI, machine. Well, right. Learning. That's like tom-
1: that, that's the tomorrow problem thing. The right. today problem type that we're solving tomorrow. That's why we need bigger, better, faster.
0: Which is kind of weird because I think we can solve a lot of today's problems with today's technology, but we keep an eye on solving the proverbial tomorrow technology with this ever-changing, bleeding-edge technology. And I only think we solve today's problems incrementally any different than we did five years ago. Yeah, it's a new framework. Yeah, it's a new thing, but we still have databases. We still have servers. We still have user interfaces. We still have whatnot. There's been some great innovations. Like we do a lot of touchscreen stuff nowadays. But I don't. Mobile is probably the biggest revolution in the last 10 years. What about
1: quantum? Oh, gosh.
0: You know, (laughs) as somebody who really likes science and quantum mechanics and, and classical physics and things like that, quantum sounds cool, but it also sounds. A bit uh, vaporware, a bit VC, juicy words. Throw I thought us some I read money.
1: somewhere that, that it's actually not theoretical anymore.
0: That Google solves some sort of problem, right? With qubits yeah. and stuff like that. So I am less educated about quantum computing than uh, the next person. But at the end of the day, guess what I can do with a classical computer, Bob? I can get paid, I can solve problems, right. I don't you need a quantum can, computer.
1: But there's people out there that need that bigger, better, faster. Anyway, yeah. I think we could argue this to the end of time. You are listening to The Bob
0: and Kevin Show with Bob Beatty and Kevin Gieszewski. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show and our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Okay, so I had an observation this week. And the observation was. Is, is this the gotcha part of the program? No, I'm- and now for something completely different. <laughs> So I'm sitting at the coffee shop going, you know what, I've been sitting in this coffee shop off and on for the better part of a year, year and a half. And do you know how many developers have walked in that door that I have happened to notice programming I've seen, looked over their shoulder and screen, you know, looked? How many others? Zero. Zero. Okay, great. Kevin, there's no programmers in little Columbia City, Indiana. So freaking what? Well, Well, what's the total population there? We've got about 9,000. Okay.
1: So, so you're one in 9,000.
0: Which is really... I'm sure there's more closet people or people who commute. But at, the, at this point, after a decade of living in this town, I have never, ever, ever just casually run into somebody with, Hey, you're a developer? Yeah, me too. Hey, where do you, oh, you live? Oh, well, we live in the same town. None of that. Never. You should move to Boulder because everyone's a developer. Right. You can't, you can't <laughs> throw a rock without... Skipping off at least two developers' heads, right?
1: (laughs) I was in the hot tub the other night with myself, my wife, my son, his girlfriend. So we'll consider that one, okay? So me with my family. Three other people came into the hot tub. Two of the three of them were
0: developers. (laughs) Okay, so I have a point here. So are you familiar with the phenomena of brain drain, right? Where it's places like Columbia City, Indiana... Um, if, you're, if you're smart, you go towards the, the water or the urban centers, right? Because that's where the jobs are and whatnot. Right. So kind of back to our little technology uh, rift we were doing there. In my mind, I feel like there's a bit of a urban slash coastal bias as a consequence of the brain drain. So we have Uber as a company and a pretty cool app because it's an urban problem. We have DoorDash, which I used for the first time in Boulder at your house.
1: Oh, really? That was the first time? That's first right, time ever. Was. Yeah, and yeah.
0: then I come home and I'm like, hey, let me see what's available here. DoorDash is not available in your area. Do you so, have Uber Eats, though? Well, I'm sure... It's the same diff. Probably, but I'm not going to try 10 apps to go, well, one of them will bring me McDonald's, <laughs> you know, because that's about all the choices we have. So um, my point is, is at some point, technology feels like it's being driven by urban problems and or geographically distinct problems as opposed to, well, you know, if, if we had a hundred f- developers here in Indiana, we might make farming really fucking cool. I know it's farming, but.
1: Well, no, it's funny that you bring that up because my old neighbor in Illinois wrote software and like. Didn't develop the hardware, but pieced the hardware together from other um, providers to run grain elevators. So That's there is tech of
0: rural rural areas. There is. And my brother-in-law, he was in charge, or he, once upon a time, he installed the auto drive GPS where a, a combine and a tractor will you know, you map out your fields and it's, you still have GPS a- GPS farming, baby. Exactly. Woo-hoo. You still have a driver in there for safety, but, you know, so I'm not saying that there's not rural technologies, but do you think the rural technologies get put at the top of the list or the bottom of the list if all the developers are in, you know, urban and or slash coastal areas?
1: Well, I think that's a giant challenge for companies that are developing that farm-related technology, that rural-related, rural Related technology. And yeah, I'm sure that the tech deserts that are formed because of that make it super hard.
0: So it was just a casual observation that holy crap, I feel like the only developer in a so many, pick a big number of square miles, or at least the per capita of developers is very small where I'm at. And to my next point on that is when a local company needs a developer, they take basically any warm body. Oh yeah. Sure. That door for, for better or for worse. They'll say, thank God you, you you know what this like, you know what you've heard of JavaScript. Great. Our last developer quit. He, he went to Boulder, Colorado or wherever he (laughs) went, he went where it's way cooler. You know, here's, here's uh, some money. Um, But would you also
1: find in that same local You know, non urban market that the pays, like the pay scale is going to be incredibly diminished as well, right?
0: I I won't disagree at all. I live in one of the lowest cost of living areas in the country, not just Indiana, in the country. And they, you know, the salaries are commensurate with that. So the local job market to me here is just laughable because for what they, for what you would do for someone here, could be as equally difficult as somebody who's working that San Francisco job. But th- that San Francisco job's got the the mega mortgage, where here, if you want the mega mortgage, it's totally optional. Oh. Yeah. Depending on your
1: appetite. Well, if you want to own your own compound, then yeah, you could go the mega mortgage. <laughs> I right feel off. attacked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but that all makes sense, though, because you're employed by an, a, a company in a major metro, not in rural America. So, I mean, it it totally makes sense that there's not developers just hanging out down at the coffee shop.
0: I kind of actually look at it a little bit as a blessing that I I had a hard time finding my first programming job here in the, uh, the sticks. And so I took several jobs that were unrelated to programming, but have completely... Um, been seminal to what I think I am today capable of. Meaning I, I've, I worked for Walmart logistics. I worked for a grocery, you know, where we had to, you know, Walmart had it all figured out. This the early 2000s. Um, I worked for a wireless phone company um, at, right at the dawn of the uh, smartphone era. And that was my first programming job. But knowing all that operational logistics side, um, was very important coming into the programming because I see a lot of programmers out of college and all they know is design frameworks and whatnot. They don't know real life or well, like, the operational yeah. side of things. Um, so it's a blessing and a curse that we kind of have this brain drain sort of thing. But to my further point on that, meetups. I can't uh, go to meetups, right? Because they don't exist around here.
1: Well, how far are you from Fort Wayne, though?
0: A uh, 30, 35-minute drive.
1: That's not super bad. No. Because like at it's home, not. or not at home, damn it, my home is in Boulder now. Back in Chicagoland area, if I wanted to go to a meetup, I had to go into the city, kind of. There was one closer to me, but it wasn't very big. So,
0: Well, that doesn't bode well. So if you can barely get a, a Chicago <laughs> meetup going. Well, know.
1: there were tons of Chicago meetups, but for me that was still, that was an hour away. So
0: Fort yeah. Wayne's actually closer for you. It is, but it's a bunch of people I'd rather not probably associate with. It's, because again, we've got limited choices. It's not like we're, we can, which meetup would I'd like to go? It's the meetup with the five people that might show up.
1: Yeah, we had something similar in Batavia. We all just hung out and drank instead and didn't really do the meetup part. <laughs>
0: So anyway, hashtag problems of being a rural developer who's too stubborn to move anywhere cooler.
1: There you go. Well, I don't. I think you're pretty locked in right now. So
0: I am. This is it. It's forever home. If you want Kevin, you're gonna have to have me fly out to meet me, or you have to come to the compound.
1: Well, so maybe you should just try to find like woodworking
0: meetups, or you know. Ag meetups or something. <laughs> uh, woodworking might be interesting, but ag, come on, man. <laughs> no way. I was <laughs> just, not in the F- straws. I'm not a card carrying FFA member. I'm sorry. Oh boy. So,
1: um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, politics today. That's
0: a problem uh, to me. Oh yeah. Do you watch the but
1: debate last night? I did. And we're not really going to talk politics. Um, one of the questions that came up in the debates last night, so I think this was the 45th Democratic debate or something like that, there were 3,425 candidates on stage. You are fake news. So um, everybody got about 1.5 seconds to introduce their platform to the rest of America and the world. But one of the, a couple of the questions that came up toward the latter half of the debate they all revolved around um, social media or big tech, but it was really about big social. And it kind of, there was a precursor to it where one of the candidates was basically asking one of the other candidates. That was another weird thing about the debate last night. There was a lot of like, the moderators are supposed to be asking questions, but the candidates felt compelled to ask each other questions, which was totally bizarre. But anyway, one of them was, would you support... Um, telling Jack Dorsey, telling Twitter to ban President Trump's Twitter account. And that kind of sparked a mini debate amongst the candidates. And then that dovetailed into questions of breaking up the monopoly that these big uh, social media companies are. And uh, I just thought it was really interesting. And nobody really gave any answers, which is, I guess, pretty common for a debate. Did you get
0: to that part of it? I did. I think Elizabeth Warren's fairly on record as saying she would break up Facebook and big tech in general. So,
1: And I think that the premise of that was if you break it up, then that will minimize the amount of mis- and disinformation that we as voters and consumers have. How do you feel about that?
0: I could see it both ways. Because you, if, if we're all in one group and we all hear the same message and it's wrong, then... A lot of us get impacted. However, if we're broken into, let's call it 10 social media community bubbles, you could also argue, well, you're in your own bubble and, you know, you, that, you know, your, your message is resonating there, but you might have only two or three communities infected with misinformation as opposed to the community. Do you think it would be
1: harder for misinformation and disinformation campaign starters to be concerned with multiple smaller social media outlets versus having singular access like in a facebook
0: i i think that's the problem or an unintended or unforeseen consequence of a facebook or a twitter hey this is my one-stop shop for misinformation propaganda and whatnot all you got to do is be on here Because if you had to be on 10 or 100 different platforms, it would be much more difficult, I think, to coordinate a kind of bigger approach. I mean, you could still have 10 or 100 KGB agents, not saying it's impossible. Right. But you also have 10 to 100 different rule sets, moderators, because at the end of the day, remember Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, they get to control the message as much as they kind of play both sides. they, They get to decide what content can exist or not.
1: And that only came up in like a half a sentence from Andrew Yang, I believe, brought that up as far as like the, the blurred lines between a publisher and I can't remember the other term, a platform and a publisher, right. I think is what, you know, but he only mentioned it so briefly. And he also referenced, um, which I thought was great. He referenced the line of questioning, which we've dinged on the show before, the line of questioning in the uh, congressional hearings with Mark Zuckerberg, and just kind of pointed out how out of touch our lawmakers are, our legislative branch is, with modern
0: technology. Side note, if any uh, presidential candidates would like to come on the Bob and Kevin show, we'll fucking figure it out. (laughs) Oh, I would love...
1: (laughs) Andrew Yang, uh, I know you're not listening, but... Uh, I will definitely tag you when we release this episode. We would love to have you on because, as far as I'm concerned, uh, one of the most tech-forward candidates that we have right now in the Democratic race. Um, you know, Donald Trump has shown his uh, his incredible. I mean, I think he has the best tweets. He can the best propaganda
0: tweets. like a champ.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's got the best Twitter skills. So he's obviously a very tech-savvy leader. Um, we, hell, we'd even have Donald on if he
0: wants to. Yeah. Share
1: his message with the 40 to 50 listeners we get, perhaps.
0: Here. So did you see the video <laughs> that apparently was has been around for a year, but it shows Donald Trump shooting members of the media? It's, it's a highly edited video.
1: Yeah, it's one of those where the logos cover faces and yeah, uh... I saw a video about that the other day, and it's it's really been out for almost a year.
0: Yeah, I read the backstory, and it's been out for a year, but it's just now gained prominence because it's just now been in the news cycle. And what well, they
1: showed it at an event too, right? Like yeah. at a in a back room. They said it was an off the main room, but whatever. I'm yeah, sure so, it was on the big so now
0: it's in the headlines, and YouTube is weighed in saying it does not violate their terms, which is again probably because
1: it gets filed under satire right i I, mean
0: or news it's newsworthy because yes so that's the problem with twitter is i'm making big eye at kevin right now (laughs) so i think that's just crazy so twitter their whole thing is is well you can't do x y or z unless we deem it to be newsworthy and basically anything trump does is newsworthy so youtube started to go oh well yeah i guess we could kind of do that too because if if bob or kevin were to you know, promote this sort of thing through their video, um, they would certainly get banned, but since it's Donald Trump related, it's a newsworthy. And some people were saying, well, isn't this, you know, grotesque violence and it's just, you know, we got no place for this. And I believe YouTube also further said that, well, it's, um, fictional. So again, I think they just wow. can decide what is and what isn't whimsically. And that's, that's really what their policy should read. We have a whimsical content policy, whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> I mean, it could be like one sentence, but I don't know why these are like pages, but whatever.
1: Well, and I think that, go. I mean, we've talked about this before, it, back to the eye of the beholder. So like I could see where it could be viewed as satire. I, could, I, I can't see how it'd be newsworthy except for the fact that it's associated with him unless he put it out. But if he didn't put it out, then it's not really newsworthy. It's just satire.
0: I think we talked about it already, but you know, Trump tweeted retweeted a video of uh, Nickelback, right? With the you know, look yeah, look at this photograph. You know, it's like, and then it gets pulled down for copyright reasons. You know, it's just like the dumbest things. Oh well, it was copyright, not because it was, you know, any other misinformation or just propaganda or whatnot so i don't know man i don't know who's yeah, on whose team anymore
1: i think i like i think like i said in that episode that it was probably nickelback that made the copyright claim or nickelback's management
0: so uh, <laughs> what, what about songs that get played at like political rallies and i don't want to pick on the don because he's such an easy target but you know if you were to play any song at a music rally and that band didn't align with you politically i think
1: that happened I think he was playing uh, Born in the USA or something like that. And the boss basically said, Nope, shut that shit down.
0: Yeah, but how do you go policing that if you're. Well, Bruce because State? those
1: rallies are uh, televised.
0: And what if you don't listen? I mean, you're the president. I mean, you're going to get sued for a copyright violation.
1: Well, no, I think you get a cease and desist after the fact. And that's illegal. Like, that's filed. So. Well, uh, what? That,
0: yep. uh, They don't call him the Teflon Don for no reason. I guess we are picking on Don, but (laughs) anyway. um, So we have uh, the Verge article that you sent me, and Mr. Zuckerberg apparently had some leaked audio of him come out. And one thing he said was, and I quote, you have someone like Elizabeth Warren who thinks the right answer is to break up companies. If she gets elected president, then I would bet that we will have a legal challenge, and I will bet that we will win the legal challenge. And still, does that suck for us? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to have a major lawsuit against our own government. But look, at the end of the day, if someone's going to try to threaten something that existent or something that existential, you go to the mat and fight. So, Mister Zuck basically is threatening to sue um, if if anyone tries to break him up. What do you think?
1: Well, I think that. If this, if the government can prove that they're in violation of antitrust laws or whatever the case may be, that's the only way that they're going to be able to quote unquote attempt to break them up. So if that happens, obviously the entity that is being broken into pieces is going to counter legislate or counter sue against that attempted breakup. So, I mean, I think he's 100 percent accurate. He obviously doesn't think that they need to be broken up, so of course he would fight that. But I don't think he's going to do a preemptive strike and try to sue the government over something that's not happening. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, I'm not surprised that he's defending his shareholder value and all that, um, but I don't have to like it. I'm well, but it's his
1: value that he's really... I mean, for if he controls all those entities... We should There's start a
0: hashtag more... program, Save the Billionaires, or something. Right. <laughs> I, I'm not... It's falling on deaf ears over here, Bob. I'm sorry. I can't hear you. Can you speak up?
1: Well, no. I'm just saying <laughs> if he controls those entities, they're much more valuable to him than if they're broken up.
0: I know. Mark Zuckerberg is less about a tech genius to me and more about a con man at this point. He's He goes to Congress and he ducks and dodgers you own your data um no we we only collect data so we can show you relevant ads because x number of percent of our users say they just want relative ads hey mark that's a false choice all of your users don't want any fucking ads how about that one you know
1: yeah and they're so hard to tell when they're ads anyway that's the whole like i think that's the big scam to me is that the ads are so like blended
0: Yeah, I think I did hear Andrew Yang, I believe, last night say, kind of mocking the whole, you know, how much money have you made on your data, you know, as a person? Well, that money goes back to Facebook, right? Did you hear
1: him say that data is like oil? He didn't say data. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, he.
0: Copyright violation. We need to send him a cease and desist. Otherwise, I think I need
1: a check. (laughs) I think I need a commission check. We need a royalty to help fund the show. He said that and I go, I, Caroline was sitting there. I go like, holy shit, he almost said my catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> and she awesome. was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, it's it's a common belief that one of my catchphrases is data is the new oil. Whether that's true or false, yet to be determined. But
0: So of all the oh. things that they could have talked about last night, I did find it fairly interesting that technology came up at all. Because, I mean, we've got a lot of uh hot button topics in this country and for you and I specifically because we are a niche topic podcast on technology, but it did come up and I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. So
1: I was actually very um encouraged by that because I think it's important that our country's leaders start to acknowledge that technology actually has an influence on the direction of not just the country but the world in a very like strong way.
0: Well I think it's a reminder that as a human society, we've kind of forgotten the importance of media. When the Gutenberg press was invented and the Bible was distributed, that that was a big shot in the arm for Christianity. And newspapers took over magazines. You know, when we were younger, pre-internet, uh, what was what Tom Brokaw or Dan Rather said was was gospel. What we saw on the front page of our local head, uh, newspaper was you know, important and, you know, you know, all those things. And so it's always, you know, and that shapes our narrative then and now it's it's all those have kind of gone away in favor of electronic distribution of this. So it's it's really it's the media. I don't wanna sound like evil media, but it's <laughs> Facebook is a new medium. Twitter is a new medium. New is relative. But they've been around for decades. But you know, it's uh it it's just The same old, same old in different form. And again, I think our laws have kind of like not figured this out yet. There's a bit of a lag there in our politicians. Super lag, super lag. Politicians are kind of going, wait a second. You can use Twitter as a weapon. Huh. (laughs) This man in the office right now, he's actually really good at it. And um, it kind of goes back to, I I don't know if it's Nazi Germany, but if you're going to tell a lie, tell it really big and tell often enough that people will start to believe it and i think oh it's propaganda is, it's propaganda 101 for sure that is 2019 in a nutshell we are in a society where decide what you want to be true and in starting tomorrow we'll start the campaign to make it so whether it's true or not doesn't matter it's just our campaign says it is
1: Did you pick up on uh, the referencing to
0: the fourth industrial revolution last night? Uh, The third industrial revolution? I did hear that. Was it third? I thought they were saying fourth. Okay, maybe it's fourth. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was.
1: But it was interesting the way some of the candidates embraced, like Andrew Yang, been talking about this since day one, about automation and jobs being taken away. And, you know, he referenced that under the fourth, you know, Industrial Revolution, and some of the candidates kind of poo-pooed that. Like, I think Elizabeth Warren even said, "You know, um, no, we're not losing jobs to automation yet. That's, you know, that's a pipe dream that's yet to come." And Andrew Yang was like, "Are you kidding? We're in Ohio. You know, automakers are, you know, automotive workers are losing their jobs to robots on the line. Uh, fast food restaurants are losing jobs to, you know, kiosks."
0: So let's talk about that real quick because I had these thoughts earlier this week. It sounds like we're going through a lot of my tweets. Maybe this was just Ah. on everyone's uh, mind. So we've had – I used to tour the General Motors plant in Fort Wayne in like 1989. I was a kid. It was really cool. And they had robots back then. It's going to do the welding. It's going to do the painting. could do it way better than a human, more accurate, more safe. So on one hand, I look at automation and robotics as being Great. Now, fast forward to 2019, you go to a McDonald's and you can order your food through a kiosk now and then your food just kind of shows up. So clearly your user experience is a bit degraded, if you ask me, because I, I but that's subjective. I prefer human interaction and whatnot. But I'm at going McDonald's. With, yeah, I I used to work at a McDonald's. All right. So, so I, 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 I like being able to talk to a person and, you know, whatnot. Um, but you know, maybe I'm just old guy. So if we fast forward a little bit, I've seen and heard some chatter that the, the Indiana uh, Bureau of Motor Vehicles may one day charge to speak to a human. I saw you tweet about that and I
1: couldn't tell if you were talking about banking cause they tried that experiment in banking probably like a decade ago.
0: Well, we have ATMs, right? I mean, <laughs> right. But
1: they were charging a fee to talk to a teller and people lost their shit and then so, they backed away from the teller fee.
0: To the state of Indiana's credit, we have got we in the last 20 years, we've gone through a lot of reform with just the bullshit, the red tape, and to the betterment. Um you can't uh get your driver's license n- anymore at the bureau. Or you, you show your documentation, your proof, and then they'll mail you your uh driver's license nowadays. Back in the day, you used to get it right then and there. You can't do that anymore. It's so there's some streamlining there. Um but what's what's being talked about, I believe, is it, you're gonna be asked to do everything through online or through a touch screen and if you need to talk to a person there's a fee now. So if you look at air the airlines, yeah you know, first thing you do when you get to an airport is you check in if you haven't done so on your phone already and then you drop your bag off and then it allows them to reduce their staffing. So I get the total business side. Have you been it, through customs lately? um not lately.
1: Uh, when I went to Aruba a few weeks ago, came back, there was one person, um, at the customs area and the rest were, uh, kiosks and it was all done with, you know, scanning and video.
0: So there's, there's positives to that, you know, um, in terms of business, but, um, what, what, what. The job side of it is, is also, wait a second, that's my job. I used to be, I want to be the McDonald's cashier. I want to be the airline person. I want to be the customs agent. That Or I need to. So, so I, I can understand how we're, it, we definitely have the actuality of changing or losing jobs, but I also believe that a lot of people so I live in the Rust Belt. And for those who don't know what the Rust Belt is, that, that has a lot to do with the car automotive industry, where you have the the part supplier here, then you have the part supplier for there over there, and then they assemble it over here at the, the plant. And when the car industry takes a shit or somebody goes on strike like they're doing right now, People, you know, get laid off until they come back and then uh, whatnot. So they kind of go through a similar where they lose jobs. But I've always been the opinion of, well, you know, as technology changes, as supply chains change, you, you too may have to change your trade, you know, your, your skills and things like that. So as we get rid of cashiers at McDonald's, maybe you can be a line cook in the back or or maybe you're going to have to go to school and become something else. So I definitely see the concern with automation is taking away jobs, but it's also probably creating other jobs. So it's really I, I a think a that's transplant. the common theory is that right. it will create some jobs, but there are going to
1: be more specialized jobs.
0: Yes. Um, And to my earlier point, I can't throw a rock and hit a developer anywhere in this county. It seems like I would welcome more developers, you know, you know, great. You're no longer a McDonald's uh, person. Would you like to be a programmer? You know, Uh, things like that. So a lot of people just don't know. they're like, yeah, sure. I don't know how to go from A to B, Kevin. And I totally get that. So
1: or would you be interested in serving the being able to learn how to service the digital kiosks, you know, it, you yeah. don't necessarily have to be a developer, it just might be more of a technical um trade kind of thing.
0: if I go full on liberal here, I would say people in the rust belt, if you don't like just mindlessly working at the uh the auto plant or making parts and then risking laid off, you know there's this whole green energy push get into uh you know, installing windmills. I know people who do that, you know, or, you know, get into solar panels, get into whatever. Um, you basically have to, the trades have to be aligned with where we're going with technology and innovation. And a lot of people are resistant to that for good reason. Why do I have to relearn everything? I went to school to be a welder. Now I've got to pay more money to be another trade. So innovation has costs. Automation has costs. And it, what we lose, we probably gain. But the people paying the tax to change are, you know, or who pays the, the change taxes, the people is what I'm saying. Well, you can no longer be an X, but you can be a Y. But to get from X to Y, yeah, that's up, up to you to figure out, buddy. The traits are pretty good with apprenticeship programs,
1: though, and like on the job. And my experience with the trades, they're fairly progressive when it comes to the technology because, I mean, there are, there are young people that are interested in, you know, having a exciting career. I'm doing air quotes, but I mean, it is exciting when you're looking at, you know, the technological aspects and the developments as it relates to, you know, engineering, construction, uh, you know, all those different areas because everything is just becoming more sophisticated. It's not becoming less sophisticated for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, because it comes back to the driving forces is competition between the companies to outdo each other and to out tech each other, to constantly then have to constantly patch everything. Yada yada. It's all tied together, isn't it, Bob?
1: Yeah. In the tool sets that they use, yeah. Everything is, you know, electronic. It's not you're not finding, you know, many analog instruments for those trades. There's a lot of digital instruments because the technology that's, you know, behind what's being built is digital. So, yeah, I mean, innovation is driving a lot of things. And I think that it won't leave a void. It is kind of it is kind of leaving a void right now. But I think that that will open up an opportunity for lots of other advancement to fill
0: that void. I feel like growing up in the 80s, in the 90s, that things were way more stable in terms of, we didn't. I mean, things were evolving, but at a much, much, much slower pace. Nowadays, if I blink, I've missed two patch, uh, two patches under my operating system. It's Like, what the
1: fuck? Yeah, the ramp is the ramp is much steeper now.
0: And I don't know. I guess I'm lamenting and wish I wish for a earlier time when things were a bit slower. But right now, the it's a simpler just, time. Oh, yeah. That, that's <laughs> a pipe dream. So. I think things are just going to get more and more and more sophisticated, as you said, more and more automated, more and more all of this. And I think what we actually don't have any study on is how this pace of innovation and technology at this speed, if we are in a fourth industrial revolution or whatever, what. You know where's the evil where's where's the things that are gonna get us that we just don't know about yet where's the evils in all of this that dang if we would have known back in twenty nineteen that such and such and such
1: well, yeah. some of the evil is gonna be you know in relation to that uh the propulsion technology that keeps coming up when these alien videos or these UFO videos get declassified you know if we ever figure out what's going on with those you know quote-unquote ships and figure out that propulsion technology, that's going to be a giant game-changer. But,
0: but, but, I believe that there is some technology that will ruin humanity, and and that technology will probably, if ever discovered, may never be released. Not to go all conspiracy theory on you, if, in fact, the Tic Tac technology has been harnessed by a, our government it's possible it could be a catch and kill situation here's why imagine star trek style transporters were invented right now by facebook of all people makes sense imagine transporting an army from bad guy country to good you know other country in the instant yep pop in pop out assassinations could happen murders could happen that technology while cool there's plenty of noble to it, but the negative consequences to it may just outweigh any positivity, just like the, the nuclear bomb. Hey, you split the atom. Good job. Yeah, it's the wickedest thing that we could ever invent. And oh, by the way, we can do nuclear energy with it. But you just saw Chernobyl with me. And, you know, there's yeah. Hmm, now we have this thing where we have arms races and blah blah, blah, blah. blah.
1: Well, I think that's a double edged sword with most technology. You know, you said that there's going to be a technological innovation that's going to bring down humanity, that hasn't been invented yet. I would argue that that technology has already been invented, and it's called Facebook. Are, exactly. <laughs> it's. I mean, right now, I mean, they're linking they're linking social media usage to increased incidences of depression, um, anxiety you know, and and the division that we're experiencing pretty much globally right now. I mean, Cambridge Analytica bridled that and used it to their absolute best advantage in several different, you know, government exchanges throughout the globe. So I would argue that that technology has already been invented and it's already killing
0: humanity. It's October 16th, 2019. <laughs> Bob hates it when I say the date, but I just did because I want to go on record and I want to say in the future, your car insurance, your health insurance, your life insurance may be predicated based on your online profile from somebody.
1: Oh, I think that that's definitely going to happen because it's going to indicate, um, you know, health, mental health, and physical health implications that will impact that So let me ask you this,
0: Bob. You said that will happen. What evidence do you have that it's not happening?
1: Uh,. I think just, well, okay, full disclosure as a middle-aged man who never goes to seek medical intention unless he's dying. Um, I can't verify that. But last time I was at a healthcare practitioner, I wasn't asked any questions about my social media habits. So,
0: Well, all they got to do is Google you, right? Yeah, fair enough. So <laughs> um, somebody I know has access to a background check app because they hire people. And he was like, hey, check this out. I'm just gonna put in random name. You know how much shit comes back about everyone like your ex-wife, your how many kids you got, your next door neighbor's name, phone number. Deep web search. Holy crap. And if you don't think that well, maybe you don't have to maybe this isn't happening, but it's so easy. Why wouldn't risk assessors like insurance? be kind of getting out in front and go like, you've got 12 DUIs, bro. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Your rate is this, or we're not even going to ensure you. So if we know legal stuff, probably almost definitely comes up. It's not much more of a stretch for these background check services to go, Hey, you know what? Here's the kind of a uh, and into, Hey, here's their web search history. Oh, I guarantee and, they have it. And I don't think our laws have ever asked or lawmakers have ever asked the questions such as that like wait a second is this the kind of stuff we want people making decisions on john q public because how do we know that the information you're getting to make these decisions is even correct i mean there's two johns there's more than one john smith in this world right
1: Right. well that's happened legally many a time
0: you know the
1: legal database pull up information last known address wrong person
0: (laughs) yeah we we used to get phone calls i have my wife's got the same name as somebody else in the world and that somebody else doesn't pay their student loans and they kept trying to think it was us because well, hey who would have that last name right <laughs> so yeah. no, uh, not it um so uh back to the tic tac real quick if we were if, if the TIC-TAC technology exists, TIC-TAC technology, wow, that's... I like that. Yeah. Hmm. We should, we should trademark that. TIC-TAC tech. <laughs> um, if the TIC-TAC technology does exist, imagine what that would mean to any country's Air Force. Well, no, any-
1: everyone who talks about it says it's a game changer.
0: And, and it's not just a game changer eventually. It's a game changer today.
1: Yeah, it's a checkmate. It's a checkmate yes.
0: for sure. Um. What would that do for air travel? What would that do for logistics, moving supplies and whatnot? What would that do for interstellar space travel? What would that do for colonization of the moon, mining the moon? Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, the theory is is that it changes everything we've known about space and time. Because if you're just basically creating voids and moving into them, then the speed of light is not really relevant. So traveling great distances you know, it, it all of a sudden becomes it becomes much more realistic to send people to Mars. I was you listening know, to and uh, beyond
0: an old Joe Rogan with Lawrence Krauss. Are you familiar with Lawrence Krauss? Uh, name rings a bell but not. S- standard talking head physicist on t- on pick a TV show. He's he's he's, he's the hired uh, expert. Yeah he's a <laughs> cohort with Neil deGrasse Tyson, Sean Carroll. Physicist type. Um so he he they were talking about the laws of the universe and again joe was just kind of looking your standard what is going on you know just not understanding but uh basically he was saying if the if if we took a snapshot of the universe and said when we as soon as we snap the camera um those will be the laws of physics in this universe so until we like freeze them in so when we when the camera was snapped we got the four fundamental um forces gravity electromagnetic force weak and strong nuclear force we have those and then they act in a certain way we have the higgs field which is something blah 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 and uh the, it would not shock me at all if we don't understand um basic fundamentals about the universe oh Be- without a doubt because we we only have theories for gravity. I know we keep coming back to gravity. We right. only we know how it kind of um, looks like and acts like, but we have no idea what it can generate, except for, well, where there's mass, there can be gravity. And there's more. And all these things. So I am 100% open to the idea that this technology could be invented because we just need somebody who, who rejects the normal, well, this is what everyone else has tried what if and then insert some radical idea and that radical idea could be from another planetary system another technology and i think it's also been said we watched that uh the pilot i don't know his name the tic tac pilot guy um basically oh shoot i've lost my train of thought but anyway
1: we have a physical we, we have the ability to understand what it takes but we don't understand our own physical science enough to be able to replicate how that would happen
0: yeah yeah if, if somebody were to, again drop a nuclear reactor through a time machine into the 19th century they would look at it and go what the fuck, right this is this goes well, back to
1: even if you take a video screen into where pygmies live they have never seen technology like right. that and then showed a video of them on screen in real time, that would blow their fucking minds. So, I mean, why can't that, that be imprinted onto our most technologically advanced people on this planet, that there's stuff out here that would blow our minds?
0: Oh, the, the thought I was trying to gather there was, right now we have preconceived assumption, the reason we can't travel to another solar system, galaxy, even to Saturn in a reasonable amount of time is distance. The tic tac propulsion system would make all that moot, right? And it would challenge potentially Einstein's, you know, cosmic speed limit that the speed of light is the speed limit. Right. What if you could do something that we can't even conceive of right now, and that's actually not the you know a limiting factor,
1: right? I mean, if we believe in the concept of infinities, then the speed of light plus one is faster, but we feel like that's somehow a limit. Like, that's the ice wall. I mean, in in some regards, you know, saying that the speed of light is a limit is almost as asinine as flat earthers and their ice wall.
0: Please don't get me started on flat earthers.
1: (laughs) No, we're out of time for that. Hey, I did want to put a nice little bow on something we mentioned briefly earlier. Uh, We did touch upon the UAW. Apparently, they have created the framework that could possibly end the strike today so GM okay. and the UAW have at least a framework of an agreement that might bring that strike to an end so. that's good like to get yeah. some people back to work
0: especially around here so yeah do you got anything you want to add as a little wrap up I don't think so are we still doing the lightning thing or not doing the lightning thing you know what thing?
1: I think going into the next 50 episodes we're gonna just fuck off with the lightning <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. uh, Sounds good. All right, Bob. Now I don't know how to end the show. (laughs) You know what? We'll just say till next time. Thanks for listening to The Bob and Kevin Show.
0: Hey, have you ever wondered how you can get in touch with us at The Bob and Kevin Show? Well, first, you can try us via email at comments at
1: bobandkevinshow.com.
0: Or are you more into social? If so, you can find us on Twitter at Show. Or on Instagram as Bob N
1: Kevin Show. That's Bob, the letter N, Kevin Show. And if you're still on
0: Facebook, you can even find us at Facebook.com slash Bob and Kevin Show. And for the serious business fans, you can even find us on LinkedIn at LinkedIn.com slash company slash the dash Bob dash Kevin dash show. How's that for a handle? Let's connect.